Hi everyone, this is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast, and my guest today is someone I'm super thrilled to have, R.A., the Rugged Man, hip-hop legend. Thank you so much for being with me today. Nah, thank you for having me. Like like uh, we were saying before we hit record, it was a long day for both of us. Yes. <laughs> my son has a ear infection, so he didn't sleep all last night. I had to stay up with him. He stayed home from the kindergarten, and then I had to go get my daughter from the kindergarten with my sick son, and then he stayed up, and they finally passed out about 20 minutes before this show started, so I'm on no sleep. So uh, don't don't expect no uh, quick-witted sound bites and shit. It's just me talking. <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> we keep it real here and, and I don't have loud animated shit going on because I got to talk like this because the babies, if they wake up, I'm fucked, you know, <laughs> totally understand. So, yeah, I'm, I'm up on you about two hours on the sleep front. I have allergies, but yeah, well, like we were talking before we started, we'll go through this. We'll see what happens. And um, I'm just really excited to have you on the show. I I'd quickly want to read your bio just for any listeners not, that aren't familiar with you. Um, so bear with me a moment, please. Uh, R.A. the Rugged Man is one of the most fascinating figures in hip-hop history. His career spans decades and defies simple narratives. The Rugged Man has been an up-and-coming star, an industry outcast, banished and forgotten, an underground cult hero, an independent success story, and an influential master of the art form. He can obliterate rappers with ferocious battle rhymes, uh, craft heartfelt personal songs fans can relate to, offend sensitive listeners with shocking vulgarity, challenge corrupt politicians and corporations, paint pictures with captivating storytelling, and deliver jaw-dropping flows that prove his lyrical skills are unmatched 100%. He's also worked with a staggering number of hip-hop's most respected artists, including legends like the Notorious B.I.G., Wu-Tang, Tech 9 Rakim, Mob Deep, Talib Kweli, Koji Rap, Public Enemy, Brother Ali, and more. And while others struggle to maintain a foothold in the ever-changing rap landscape, R.A. the Rugged Man is the rare artist who has become more relevant with time, with each new album more compelling than the last. And man, that doesn't even do justice. You, well, uh, who, who, who the fuck wrote that? That that wasn't that bad. <laughs> I, I thought it was good. I was like, damn. Your right boy that. Matt sent that to me, and it's yeah, that's yeah. it's all true. Oh, Matt from the label. I wonder if he wrote yeah. it. I wonder who wrote it. The professionally well done bio. I like it. Yeah. Thumbs up. I usually shit on the label for everything they do. If they wrote that one, it sounds good to me. You know. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> so. I figure there's a lot of terrain I want to cover with you in the time we have, but of course I want to start with all my heroes are dead. And I'm not just saying this totally honestly that so far, this is my favorite album of 2020 hands down without a doubt. I love all different kinds of music. I'm very eclectic, but this record is just, it's hard for me to put into words. Like what I love about, like you say in legendary loser, your hip hop's Frank Zappa. And that's what I, I love about this record. You take listeners on such a ride from really emotional songs that I want to unpack a few with you in a few minutes, but also, you know, your classic, like silly, vulgar, um, you know, thought provoking everything. So all that to say, can you take me back to before you started recording the record and talk about the original vision you had for this album and if and how it uh, kind of elaborated or changed as you were working on it. Well, well, shout out to the Dawn of the Dead post in the back, first of oh, all. 
We're going to get rest to horror peace. too. Rest Thank in you. peace, Romero. But no, no, no. Signed, um, just real quick, he signed that. I got to interview him a few years oh, before he passed. Wow. George was yeah. a nice guy too, right? Everybody I know Such that you know George. Yeah. I never heard a bad word about him. No, you know? real so, deal. So, yo, my my fridge started making crazy noises. <laughs> did you hear that? I did hear that. But, but um, uh, I was like, is the interview over? No, well, the <laughs> album, the, the way... I started working on songs. I didn't have a vision for the album, you know? Like right now, if I start to do a new album, I don't have a vision. I have no idea where to even go with it yet, you know? Sure. And the way I did it last time, I was touring a lot, so I'd just go in the studio and start making records. You know, uh, I got a great engineer, Chris Conway. I got a great production team, and I just start working on music and see what happens. And then... uh as it was going, it uh, made a bunch of good songs, but it didn't feel like something I cared about or was that, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it felt like some good rap songs. So I kind of just deaded it and said, you know, fuck it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then I just started again. And then it all started ch- kind of shaping itself into like, since you're a fan of the album, you, you know, yes. it's kind of like an orchestrated musical number it's like you know like and even like a lot of things get dramatic in this the album you know the music is kind of composed around the drama it's like yeah the intro to the outro it's all kind of like a big uh theatrical you know uh piece and it all kind of just slowly fell together like that and as i was making it i knew what I, i started knowing what i wanted and how i wanted to go and i realized what was missing from the album what we needed to get that in order. And I just started kind of making things for what, you know, like a puzzle box. And it, it, right. it, uh, when we were finished with it, me and the engineer were just very, very happy, you know? And the engineer, when, you know, Chris Conway, one of the greatest mixing engineers ever, he mixed yeah. records for all the greats and worked with all the greats. And he started crying on the train, listening to it. And he said, hey, this is the album I'm most proud of out of everything I ever worked on. And, and he's worked with like, all the greats so i was like wow yeah. come to you chris you know so we we knocked it out the park together we we were really proud of it and it, it's not just me y'all i'm a genius it's not right. that i had you know the world's greatest djs on set i had the world's greatest mcs on set i had like tremendous musicians from all over the planet helping and like you know so so yeah i had a lot to do with the making of the album but you know i couldn't have done it without everybody involved there was really a lot of great great greats involved with making it so uh you know and i'm real proud of it and and i know i pulled off what i was going for with it i'm really you know a lot of i'm my worst critic i'm like always like that's not good enough that's not good enough that's not right this isn't right and sometimes when you get something right you know you just feels right you know you got it right you know so yeah yeah. you definitely see the vision and, and feel what yeah. we did because uh i'm very proud of it so so i appreciate you understanding what we we tried to do with that you know 100 fully uh you know the fact that it's like a 75 80 minute record that in and of itself is so impressive like and for me there's not a single skippable track and that's rare like you know usually there's always a skippable track but this record does not have that well, I, mean, I, yeah, I might agree with you because um there are songs that I made for some of the degenerates that I knew were going to get like bad reviews from like pretentious ass motherfuckers. 
Right. And, and some people go, ah, you know, you got a really commercial, well-made album. Do you really want those songs that are going to ruin it on there? I'm like, <laughs> of course I want those songs on there. Hell and yeah. those are going to be my degenerate, scumbag, psychopath fans that were with me from day one's favorite song. Yeah. So, of course, I'm not going to take those off. So, so I guess it depends where you are mentally. And, and then on the flip side of that, you know, I do have the emotional softer moments on the album where I'm really yeah. trying to dig into the hearts, you know, pull them heartstrings and, and, uh, they might be the degenerate scumbags, least favorite song, you know? So, <laughs> so, you know, I always said like, if I made a, a simple album where it was kind of 10 songs, kind of on a serious tip, political, a little bit, a little bit of life change and this and yeah. that, a couple flows. If I made a simple album, I think, the 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 critics would would understand it so more you know way more easier because you're not sure. you know but you know and because you know a lot of times critics too they 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 it's been the, the way from the beginning of history uh comedy they don't understand when you're kind of being right. sarcastic and gross and comedic and over the top they feel like the academy award winners the the person died and they're crying tears and it's sad and that's the academy you know but if you're if you're doing a Marx brother falling over the table, spitting shit out, and eating a phone like Harpo Marx, then you're not you know that's not the real shit. That's dumb stuff, you know. So so meanwhile, it, it you know Harpo Marx eating a phone is ten times more intelligent than some girl dying in a movie and and the, the other girl crying and they get the Academy Award. You know, it's like yeah. so I like to do dumb shit that's you know a little bit more intellectual than they those people are able to see you know a hundred percent see i'm equal parts degenerate and somewhat adjusted like we'll get into this later i've been through a lot of mental health issues myself which is part of what i really love about your record and um you always keep it very real but before we get to that um you know going back to you were saying all the the legends you have on this record from cool g rap to Ghostface, chuck d immortal technique and i mean on and on can you talk about you know, how that all came together. Like they all showed up for you in a big way. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I was, while I was working on the records, I just said, who, who would be the perfect person for this record, you know? And, and, and I wanted a mosh, a mash out type stomp you out record. And, you know, I started with me and Chris Rivers and Paz on that Slayers club joint. And then yeah, I was like, and I put together chorus, like a rowdy, you know, because I want that song when you when you do it at the show, you got the, the mosh pits going and the stomping. For sure. You know, you want a couple of those high energy, real punch in your face kind of records. And then, um, and and I knew it had to be a posse cut, but then I'm like, yo, you want to mash them out fucking song, get the mash out posse, get MOP. So I hit up MOP and Fame and Billy and 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 then when I got Billy and them on it, I was like, yo. Bring in the OG, Ice T, the original gangster, you know, Iceberg. one of the OGs of the game, you know, like yeah. who, he, before there was any of these other Hollywood gangster rappers, Ice T was before all of them. So, you know, there, there's Schooly D, then there's, you know, Ice T and Just Ice. And, you know, so Ice came in with that gun talk and, and the yeah. murder talk. And, and uh, so things just felt, you know, kind of went into place, you know, and, uh, it just kind of all, I, I, what do I need here? What do I need there? 
I know there was a moment when I had a track and I needed something kind of mellow and dope. And I wanted it to be a, a, a posse cut of some sort. And I was looking towards like a, a Run Your Jewels or a De La Soul or something, but that didn't right. happen. But, you know, I, 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 I mean, I got everybody else on the planet that I wanted, you know, in fact, you know, so it's a blessing when things don't happen because then something else happens, you know, so. But, yeah. um, yeah, you know, so. Got to give a shout out to Onyx, too, on that. They're uh, been a lifelong Onyx fan, so I was well, Onyx, to see them MOP, on that. Well, uh, brand new, Ian, you know, we, yeah, we of really course. Brought, out the, brought out the banging, you know, the the, the masters on there. And Coogee yeah. Rap, originally the Dragonfire song, I was figuring, why not a Wu-Tang type of joint, you know? Ghostface yeah. and, and then and then Master Killer and maybe Raekwon or something. And, yeah. And, but I had already had a joint with Deck. So, yep. and Ray, I, I was having trouble, you know, uh, locking Ray in. And then uh, I was like, it doesn't have to be a Wu-Tang. Or what, what, what are you doing? I'm like, who's your favorite rap on the planet? Who would murder this beat more than anybody? Coogee Rap. Yeah. Hit up Coogee Rap, sent it to him. And uh, he gave me just this ridiculously, incredibly masterful g-rap the way he does it you know and he he yeah eats motherfuckers up and, and he came with his a-game i was really uh i was jumping around bouncing around the freaking room when, when he did that verse like excited you know so a lot of yeah a lot of greatness on the record man a lot of great things on the record a lot of things that even if i wasn't on the record i would be very happy <laughs> yeah well, I'm glad you are. You came in and you crushed your verse. And I want to but shout then, out to you. Put out a but, really cool. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But then you get uh, most people aren't complaining. But then, yeah. Oh, I wish he didn't have so many features. But idiots have to understand. I gave them like 13 or 14 solo tracks before right. the feature. Like there's 20, there's, there's 20 tracks on it. And I gave right. them, I think, 13 solo tracks. And I did a lot of ass rapping like this sort certain songs with four verses certain songs with three long verses so like the amount of yeah. rapping i did in them 12 or 13 tracks is more rapping than people do on two or three albums so right. nobody can complain oh too many features no 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 we 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 made a solid uh we made sure to make it not feel like that you know so, no yeah definitely i love like the song yeah, for your more daughter I was just going to say that right? the, the song for your daughter where you're like, you're done. And then you come back and like, no, fuck it. You do another verse. And cause that's well, just, you're doing what you feel. Well, that wasn't on purpose. You know, what happened was, uh, I was working on that song and I made a chorus I, and it was a song I wanted my sister, my, my, my daughter to love, you know, and my daughter to want to listen to. And, you know, after I'm gone, she'd still listen to the song. So every chorus I was coming up with didn't feel good enough to me, you know? And I was trying all these different choruses. And then, you know, Novel, who's a great rapper and, and songwriter and singer, and he's, he's, you know, I think he was nominated for Grammys in five different categories from like country to R&B to, you know, wow. he's like a really undercover great. And his, his grandfather was Solomon Burke. His, his, his uh, father was like one of the biggest writers for Motown. He wrote like Dancing in the Street and all of those big, huge wow. records. Yeah. Stuff from Marvin Gaye, and he just comes from a musical family. So I hit up Novel, and I said, listen, um, I, I got this song that's important to me. I need you to knock it out the park. So he did, he did a, a whole 
verse though. He did the dope chorus, but then he threw a verse in there. And I was like, I already got three verses to my daughter on this. I can't. Uh, but then I was listening to his verse. So I was like, yeah, but you can't take that off. It's so dope. And right. I said, you know, what? if I keep my verse, the song is too long. It, it, you know, uh, um, as I, I mean, uh, not, not too long in what, it, you know, what's supposed to happen. It's too long, you know? So that's why I made the joke. I said, I know the song's supposed to be over, but I got to right. give you another one. Boom. And people actually really love, love that we did that. And I'm an old school cat where songs now is supposed to be over after two minutes and 12 seconds to, you know, boom, boom. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's go back to the, the originators where they was doing 13 minute raps and, 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 yeah. and, you know, 10 minute songs and eight minute songs and extended versions. So the song is still, if I'm not mistaken, under five minutes, you know, so it, it yeah. all worked out uh, properly. You know, it all worked out really well. And I'm very, really proud of that record. Yeah, no doubt. And before we move on, there's a couple of songs cool. we've already talked about a lot of. There is, um, I'm sorry, your video is breaking up a little bit. So I'm sorry if I'm interrupting you. you you're freezing a little bit. I hear your audio fine, but apologies if I'm interrupting. Um, no, you're not. I'm, I'm interrupting by accident. It's fine. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Um, so two songs that I wanted to um, walk, have you walk, uh, walk me through it, if you don't mind, was the first one, uh, Gotta Be Dope, you know, with your, your protege, Afro, who is just, he slays it, as do you. And I mean, when I heard that, like, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I had to listen to it like three times to get like wrap my head around that song and, and still wasn't wrapped around. So can you talk to me about like, you know, and DJ Jazzy Jeff is on that as well, who, you know, icon. So, you know, can you tell me a little bit about putting that song together with Afro? And you, I mean, you rap so fast. If I remember or read correctly, you are the clocked in as the fastest rhymer, correct? No, I, I, I seen that, 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 uh, meme that was out there what, what happened was they said oh m got beat the fastest uh i don't know i guess in the hit record or whatever the fastest for the rap guard or something so somebody took both of the rhymes mine and, and m's and um mine's faster you know so it's like i think he was 11 8 or something i was 12 5 i, I don't remember exactly but my sure. rhyme was more words per second it was a faster rhyme and uh, oh, oh, was it Rap God or the other one? I don't know, whatever the fuck one it was. But they right. said, I'll oh, give this book or whatever. And uh, but no, my rhyme's faster. So somebody made a meme of that and, and showed it. And the reason that song happened was, uh, and, and I don't, you know, I don't think M has the Guinness Book of Fastness of all songs. I think it was like of a top 10 song or something like that. It's not like, sure. you know, there's guys that do 14 syllables a, a second and like or some I, I don't know i don't even know how to count that shit i don't even do that right. i don't count syllables i just rap so like right. you know um the way that happened was um me and afro did a song for my album originally and he was my protege and i didn't like i thought his rap was good but i knew i was gonna eat him up on it you know i was like I, i'm not gonna put my protege on my album if he gives me something good that i know i'm gonna eat him up you know, right. he has to be like when EPMD used to put rappers on, that rapper would shine, you know, like yeah. they put K Solo on, Nick Knack, Patty Whack, and be like, damn, or like, you know, Red Man on, on a Hardcore and like Das Effects on uh, um, 
pop, pop, pop goes the nine or, <laughs> uh, or whatever. They, they, they put dots on things. They, they would always bring their artists on to like really shine, you know? Right. And uh, so when he gave me a good ass verse, I knew I'd eat him. So I, I've kind of deaded the song. I was like, ah, this song isn't even up to par for the album. The beat's okay. His rhyme's dope. But, and then uh, I called him. I said, hey, listen, I got this beat. I'm going to send it to you. I sent it to him. And he was like, yo, that beat's crazy. So I said, dope. I said, now nah, I need you to kill me on it. I need you to come from my head and try to fucking splatter my brain. Like, don't give me no cool shit. Go crazy. And then when he gave his verse back, I was like, oh, fuck, what the fuck? <laughs> this kid is this kid. Oh, Jesus, this kid. Oh, this kid, you know? So then I had to lock myself in the room and really like, you know, two days. <laughs> all those syllable murdering, you know? So that was Afro inspired me to uh, uh, go really hard, you know, because he, them young kids, they come for your head if you, if you, if you, yeah. you know, if they see blood or whatever, I, you know, I, you know, I think the first time he's like, oh, Ra's my father figure. He's, he's, I love R.A. and I'm going to give him a dope verse and we're going to have fun on the track. I don't want to have fun with you, motherfucker. I want you to try to take my head off, you know? Right, right. <laughs> Come on, motherfucker. So, so it's a really one of them records where we both go on for each other's heads and, and we're both very competitive with each other. And, and I think it turned out to be a great record. And then, and then, um, you know, Jazzy Jeff, one of the greatest, scratch djs of all time came in and really really murdered the cuts for me so uh shout out to the all-time great dj jazzy jeff yeah awesome i that's so cool i didn't know that afro was one who inspired that like the flows on that are just mind-bending so you know props he inspired inspired me to go you know because the fast rapping you want to do it because the fans really love it you know but then yeah but then um now everybody does it and everybody does it and everybody does it and everybody does it, you know? So, you know, I was doing fast flows for decades. So now like that's a hot topic again. Okay. Okay. So you want to go, okay, I could pull back and do slow better than your slow rappers, you know? So right. then it's like, do I even want to do a fast rap anymore? But then you go, yeah, you want to show the world that you could do it better than all these motherfuckers that are doing it. So do a couple, you know? So, yeah. so yeah, sometimes you got to throw them fast flows and say, yo, you, you kids think you're nice. Look, look what, I, what the old man could do. I'll fucking eat you, you know? So, that was a young boy with an old man solo. He, he's like from our era, even though he's not, right. he's, not he's, he's our era. He's not yeah. like one of these young boys, you know? So. No, like all the artists he shouts out in his rhyme are like, that's what I grew up on. And that's why I love you is, you know, the people you give respect to, that's what I grew up on too. So. Super cool to hear that. Is is that a Baphomet goat over your shoulder? It is. Yes. Um, not satanic. I'm just all over the place. I I uh, I'm into occultism. I'm in, into Hinduism. I'm like being interviewed by the Baphomet goat staring at me the whole time. <laughs> yeah, he's placed there intentionally just to fuck with you. But um, I'm oh, like, okay, so I gotta go put my kids back to sleep. I'll see you later. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it's not like that. I promise. Um. But yeah, before I get into the other song, um, I so I in this kind of segues, I I work weekly aside from being an author and, and a public speaker. That's what I do for a living in, in this podcast. Uh, every week I go down to a residential mental health facility for teenagers. There's two campuses, one for uh, boys and one for girls, and they're 13 to 19 years old. And um, 
first of all, sometimes we'll talk about music and I'll bring my guitar in and play a little bit for them. But whenever I ask them like who they're listening to, it's like little this or little that. And it's like, all right, I don't want to hate on anyone. And they're saying how, you know, they're such great rappers. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then I put on your verse from gotta be dope. And this was a, like a month ago and they were all just jaw on the floor. Like, wait, who's that? Cause you know, they don't know, like they don't know slug. They don't know you. They don't know like the really good shit. But, um, anyways, I just wanted to give you respect for that. It was really cool to see them just flip out. Yeah, over it. yeah that's the thing. When you, when you, uh, play, play some of my stuff for people who don't know about it. That's why we're always able to grab new fans too, because yeah. like, you know, like, wait, I heard the name and somebody plays the album and they go, oh my God, this guy. So like a lot of times it takes a little introducing, you know? So, yeah. so Absolutely. thanks for showing, thanks for showing some of your kids. Always. Do in my camp, because we don't have the big online promotion like some of these guys, but we, we try. Yeah. Well, it's what I love. You're independent. You do it yourself. You put your money into this. Like, you know, this, this is you. It's not a team of people. So you know, very DIY and that's, you know, close to my heart too. Um, so yeah, going back to the teens, um, you know, so I've been doing that for five years and these are young, you know, young adults that are there for addiction, for suicide attempts, self-harm, um, you know, eating disorders, you name it. And I mean, it's not like a cry for help. They're really in it. And, uh, it's very difficult work, heart, you know, heavy heart stuff, but you do this song, um, wondering off the record and i'm not too proud to say i cried man i cried when i heard that and sometimes i still cry when i listen to it the video the song it just you know it it strikes a chord right in my heart so you know i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that song yeah of course yeah um that's a, a song based on quite a few different stories you know even though it's it's three stories in one it's still like the second story is based on three different stories and intertwined into one story, you know, right. and the third story, there's a couple other people from the neighborhood that we know. So, you know, they're all based on real characters, you know, the, uh, yeah. the heroin addiction, obviously Long Island is crazy right now. And I you, you meet a lot of people who lost loved ones. And then the relationship between the mother losing her child, you know, uh, my stepmother lost two kids, my sister lost her son. So, it's easy to write from that perspective because people who you love a lot have lost their children. So uh, those were the strongest bars, I think, to me at least, that, that make, you know, when the mother loses her kid at the end and she's reminiscing oh, yeah. about him being a little boy and baseball and all, uh, Little League and, and yeah. she's just, you know, and I said, uh, how could a mother live? Uh, I don't even remember the rhyme, but, <laughs> you know, when <laughs> Barry's her own son, you know, it's right. like, damn. So uh, that was all based on real people, you know, and people who I knew in the neighborhood who were young and they died over that stupid shit, you know? And then yeah. the second, ver the first verse was, you see, when I first started the song, I started writing it. It was almost like a still get through the day part two. It started like, you know, I was, you right. know, talking about my life and my family. And then I was like, ah. You know, there's too much like that record. I've been there before, you know, and and but then then I was like, you know what though? It's a nice introduction to the other stories, almost some Rod Serling Twilight Zone shit. So I started off with a little eight bar intro of who I am, what I've been through, 
Right. Boom, go to the chorus, and then we tell the stories of other people, you know. So it's grounded in, hey, this man telling the story been hit a little bit too. So, uh, so yeah. And then the second story about the the woman who who was raped that's based on a real person, and and uh, she didn't commit suicide, but I know someone else who committed suicide. So it's a couple that was based on two different events and. Uh, you know, just tr- I like storytelling, and I think sometimes yeah. when you share stories that people have been through, and you could, it's almost like uh, uh, journalism where you're reporting and you're looking through experiences, and you you talk to people who've been through things, and you write the story. So, uh, or nonfiction writing, or you know, however you want to do. So, I like storytelling, and really, sometimes when you you know tell people the story that they've been through, or somebody they, they know been through, you know, lo- a lot of loss, it really touches people. And, and uh, so I like to do those kind of stories, you know, sometimes, you know. Yeah. So, and I know, I mean, you, you're very transparent about what you've been through on your albums. And I do want to get into that a little bit with you. Um, But before that, you know, if, if, if you don't mind me asking, uh, if you were in a room with, with like say 15 teenagers, you know, in this mental health facility, what I, I I know like advice is kind of cliche, but what would you say to them? You know, they're, they're, they're like feeling broken. They're feeling hopeless there. I mean, you know, they're young and they just already have kind of given up on themselves. Um, you know, yeah, well, what would you say? Well, the thing is, uh, because I make songs the way I do sometimes, you know, I have that, those kind of songs. I get a lot of people who are suicidal or going through yeah. it or lost kids or lost family members or have, you know, uh, handicapped people, you know, in their family who are suffering. And so a lot of people contact me, you know, and want me to give them advice. And, and it's, it's not always easy because, you, you know, you don't want to sound pretentious. You don't want to sound like you're just, oh, it's the mother of my kids. I thought, I thought it was my son waking up. <laughs> so that's good. So even if they do wake up, we'll cover it. Hey, Rini. I th- I'm doing an interview right now. I thought uh, I thought she was one of the kids coming down here. I was like, "Oh my god!" All right, I'm, it's la- It's uh, it's recording. Or I'll talk to you later. But I'm glad it's you and not the kids. All right. How you doing? All right. It's all right. Yeah. So um. Oh. Yeah, so it's it's not always easy. What do you tell them? You say, oh, it's going to get better, you know, but they hear that from everybody, you know, right. or, you know, all the loss, all the hurt that, you know, that's there to strengthen you and give you power. And, you know, it's, uh, you can, you can tell them, it's almost like when somebody's going through drug addiction and you, you want to stop somebody from doing heroin. How do you stop them? What do you say to them? We love you. People care about you. We need you. It's all, that's all true. But how do you convince somebody? So to sit yeah. in a room full of kids that are, that really want to end their lives, you know, you could say, hey, like, look, it, this is a small part of your life. You're young. Like, trust me, just give it some time. And, you know, a few years in the future, it's going to be a new sunshine. It's going to be a new uh, universe for you. You're not even going to worry about the problems you're worrying about today. But you know, but does a kid really even digest that or want to hear that or even understand it, you know? So uh, it's yeah. it's a hard thing 
what do you tell somebody when, when they, they, they want to hurt themselves, you know, whether it's drugs, whether it's, whether it's a self-inflicted, you know, and, and, uh, thoughts of suicide. It's, there's, you know, you're only one person and you could, you could try your hardest. You could look them in the eyes and give them honesty and say, Hey, the world needs you. The world loves you. There's, I know it seems like the world's against you. I know it seems like everyone hates you. I know it feels like the world will be better without you and your family will be better without you. But none, none of that is true. None of it is true. You know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, I appreciate she, she, that. Uh, the, the mother of my kids is here. She's hearing me say this stuff. Like, why don't you go listen to yourself? <laughs> like, you really have suicide <laughs> advice for people, you suicidal motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, you the last person could have suicide advice, all right? <laughs> like, you'd be sitting on like this half the time. Yeah, but, nah, I'm just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I appreciate your, your, you know, I would expect nothing less your honesty. Um, You know, and I the way I approach it is I've been through addiction. I've, I've attempted suicide myself. So I've been in psych hospitals. I've been in detoxes, rehabs, jail cells, more emergency rooms than I count. I mean, it's, it's literally a miracle that I'm alive. I was intubated at one point because, uh, my, I don't know what that word means, what intubated means. Oh, sorry. So it's, I wasn't breathing anymore. I I was a 0.6 alcohol level and, I wasn't breathing, so they had to put a tube in my lungs to breathe for me, uh-huh. and then another tube in my stomach to like flush shit out. So it got really bad for me for a long time. But the way I approach it with the teens is instead of you know I try to help them and 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 give them advice in a way, but I think it's more of the example. You know, seeing like I made it through that, and so many of my friends uh, have died to overdoses, to suicide, and and things of that nature. And, you know, I, I don't know why I'm still here and they're not, but um, that's why I feel so compelled to do that and, and work with them. And, you know, to circle back to wondering, that's why that song just really, really hit me. And uh, I just want to say thank you for putting that out there. And the fact that you didn't hold back, which, of course, you won't, but, you know, the way, you know, you worded everything, it was raw. And it, it just made me think of, uh, I'm a big fan of Charles Bukowski, the writer, and his stuff is very visceral. And that's you know it hit me the same way his writing does so uh i really respect you for that and and thank you thank you appreciate that yeah i appreciate that thanks so while we're talking about mental health struggles i mean like i said you're transparent about what you've been through and um and i mean i know you're transparent about you still struggle as do i i still get depressed i still have thoughts of like picking up drugs again or you know once in a while the suicidal ideations might come back so how have you, through the years, found, how did you find the way to kind of uh, bring yourself back, kind of rein yourself in, and now how do you, you cope with it? And I'm sure your kids play a big role in that, but, um, you know, can, can you tell oh, me yeah. about that? You know, the kids, uh, kids, you'd be like, that's, you know, if they wasn't here, maybe it's time to go, you know? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, maybe you wait till they're eighteen or something. You know, so <laughs> give them a, all right. Go, you know how to how to um mother bird say, hey, go fly. You know, yeah, I'm right. eighteen, time to fly. Daddy's out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I was just just make it to eighteen. You guys are really kids, eighteen. <laughs> So do you, it was, is it so just first, your my kid? My first step was I, I got rid of all the Baphomet goats in my house. 
<laughs> I should have moved it. No, but I keep it real too. Uh, but yeah, no, really, like if, if you don't mind, like you know, I'm very fascinated in people. Yeah, that your have... mind lies to you too, because then you know you get beat up in your head, and you, your mind starts saying, "Oh, maybe everybody's better without you. Maybe even your kid. Maybe a bad influence on your kids. Maybe mm. you're too crazy. Maybe." Maybe everybody's better without you, you know, so your mind tells you crazy shit. So you start thinking everything worse than it is, you know, so it's not always uh, your kids don't always save you, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, so you got when the demons are in your head lying to you, you got to make sure that you don't let them lie to you too, too, too loud or you don't believe them or whatever wording I'm trying to look for. Yeah, I feel you. you Know that, hey, uh, you know. they do need you, you know, so yeah. people need you in the world, you know, so. Yeah, I appreciate that. And so, um, you know, today, like you start the record out by saying, you know, back in the day, like you had mental problems and here you are, like a lot of people couldn't have come back from that. And you didn't just come back. Like you come out with this record that's fucking, it's a hip hop iconic album already. Um you know, what would you attribute that to? It, aside from your kids, is there anything else, or was it really just the yeah, kids? It's uh, it's the competitive nature of of hip hop, where I came from, where you know it was always to top what was there. You know, you know, like when uh, when DMC came out, they were trying to top. You know. You know, Houdini, you know, and when when uh, EPMD came out, they was trying to top, the, you know, and then when Kim came out, they was trying to top, you know, this guy. Kane came out, that was always trying to step it up another notch and step it up another notch, you know. It, it, it was more in modern hip hop where it goes, oh, we just kind of make music and whatever the vibe is, we're not competing with each other. It's like, but I'm not from that era. I'm from an era of, of stage dominance and show rocking, party rocking, whoever the best is in the, in the building, whoever left the best imprint for the night, you know? So, so if I'm going to do an album, it has to be uh, high caliber, high level, or I don't, I don't feel like doing one. You know, I don't ever want to do one again if it's not going to be uh, high caliber level. And it is... Uh, you know, when you're doing it independently, there's so much work attached to putting out the album and promoting the album and getting the videos done and trying to figure out ways for the world to hear it. And, you know, because every time when you do it independently, oh, it's so underrated. It's such a great album, but it's underrated. It's like you get tired of hearing the underrated title. You know, you want to be like, yo, you know, you want to be appreciated for the work you do sometimes, you know. So, and there's yeah. people like yourself who, do appreciate that so you know we appreciate you guys like i said on the damn song i said you know for every fan who said my music saved their life it's for you without the love from fans i'd be dead you saved my life too you know it's like uh, i eat off for you guys just as much as you eat off of me it's like the whole circle you know it's like yeah and that's the thing too that goes in your mind you go all these people are very committed to you and you know loyal to you and if you if you give them something less and disappoint and don't give them something that they could brag to everybody they know about being a fan of yours, you got to give them something that they're proud. Like, damn, yo, this is why I support him over these other rappers. Cause look at the shit he does, you know, 
you got to give them that or there's no reason to give them anything. Obviously, I could put out music that I'm not proud of for, for, for money. You know, I could uh, go to the studio next week, get 10 beats, rap to 10 beats in a week or two and just release it and make a ton of money, put it up on iTunes, you know, make, make you know, $100,000 off a new album, you know, with no promotion, with no, you know, don't spend any money on studio, give some low quality shit. You know, right. but I can't do that. I take my money, I put it all into music videos, all into promotion, all into, all into, uh, you know, uh, mixing and producing and, and, you know, bringing live musicians in and mastering. I, I just really make sure that it's top quality, uh, top, as top quality as it could possibly get, you know. So. Yeah, which it absolutely is. So, you know, lyrically, you're not, your flows are not only amazing, but, um, you know, your words, you're as degenerate as you might say you are, you're extremely intelligent and you're very well versed in the ways of the world. Well, on uh, record. On well, all right. So you do a good job on the record, but I, can't do it. I, don't, no, I, I don't function that properly in the, in the real world. I'm a kind of bit of a mess, but on records, I could, I could, uh, sound like I, I know a little something, huh? <laughs> you, you, yeah, definitely. But, so that's what I want to ask is I know like CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, you know, this is all, you know, uh, corporate or corporate monetized, whatever. Where do you go to, you know, for your, like your education? Where, where do you learn from? Um, what, you know, is it reading? Is there sources? All of the above, you know, it's like, you got to listen to every side. You have to listen to all narratives. You have to listen sure. to, you know, you have to read all type of uh, historical um, events that, that actually took place and things that are debated and not debated. And, and you got to, you know, and you can't just read one source and swear, hey, I, uh, I know the truth because I read a book. You know, you got to, you know, because right. the guy who wrote that book might have an agenda. The guy that wrote that book might be ignorant, you know. And I learned that from first hip hop where like I've seen like all these writers, you know, like hip hop people who supposedly are the, are the professionals, right, on a craft that I've studied my whole life. And I know pretty much most of the history of it. And uh, I see all the false information and false facts and, and screwed up timelines and all like I'm like, damn, these are the writers They get everything fucking right. wrong. So if they right. was doing that in hip hop, I go, well, what the fuck are they doing with all of history? Like not just them, I'm, I'm talking about historians. So you're taking, sure. just reading a book, you can't just take the one book. You have to read, if you really wanna have an opinion on something, you have to take quite a few sides of it, you know? And like you yeah. said, you got the MSNBCs and you got the Fox and you got one group of people that listen to the MSNBC because that's a super, um, super left but not even left super democrat like right. uh, uh fake ass news and then you got the fox who's super right fake ass news so it's like they have these agendas and people want to go where they feel protected by the side of the story that they want to believe you know so if you listen to fox all new day you're going to believe something if you listen to msnbc all day you're going to believe something and that's part of the division there's really no uh in the middle, you know, uh, nobody's in the middle. Nobody tells you the news. They just want to tell you the news that is uh, 
going to feed their agendas. They, they don't care about news. News isn't, you know, the real news isn't, isn't important to them. They, they don't tell you the real news, you know? So you have to look around at everything, you know? And, uh, and you see, uh, when you do that, you see so much, uh, oh, thanks, kiddo. You going to bed? All right. I, I, I got about another 15 minutes here. Yeah. The kids are all, uh, what's, oh, you printed that out? I, I got paperwork from Switzerland right. uh, because I have to do a show there this weekend. And, uh, you know, with COVID, you have to bring all this strict paperwork to make sure you're working there for a reason and or whatever, you know, you just got to make right. sure. Right. So. Well, so, yeah, it, that's something I want to ask you about is uh, it's great that you're able to get on the road and do live shows to support the record. Uh, what's it like now? out there in, in Europe um, doing these shows during COVID? Well, I I, ha- I lost all my tours, you know, like everybody else. Right. I, I, you know, the album dropped. It had great reviews. It got, you know, a lot of fans. Everybody was talking about it. Not everybody, but, you know, a ton of people talking about right. it. It went number three on the commercial charts in, 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 you know, on the R&B charts in England. It went number 22, Billboard US, you know. Uh, so, you know, and like number one on all the iTunes charts when it dropped, it, it did great all over the world, France, Germany, and, and, uh, and you know, but I couldn't tour off of it because of COVID. But that's the problem that everybody's going through. But now, uh, last week in Belgium was my first show, finally. Uh, they did like right. a, a COVID-friendly show. And, you know, nobody got COVID going to it. You, you're all set in chairs and you wore your fucking masks. And uh, <laughs> it's not like what I like. I like to really interact and, right. you know, blood, sweat and tears and moshing and, and bringing people on the stage to dance. And if somebody can spit really dope, bring a dope rapper up, bring a beatboxer from the street up, you know, like, yeah. you know, up on chairs and, and hug people and sweat on people. Like my shows are really interacting with the crowd. That's what they always have been. So sure. now what it is, you got to stay on the stage. And they said, oh, uh, I was trying to get everybody to jump and scream. And and they said, oh, you're not allowed to get them to jump. They have to stay seated. And I was like, well, our ratio, they were jumping like crazy. It's like, yeah, next time we should have told you ahead of time, but you can't. So now Switzerland, I'm doing a show on Saturday. And I guess I'm not allowed to make them jump. But... (laughs) Everybody, it had been so long since people had went to a rap show in Europe. Yeah. So um, Belgians were fucking hitting me up all week saying, oh, it was the greatest experience. It was legendary. It was awesome. So where I was kind of insecure, like, you know, that's not an RA show. But I knew everybody felt good. I knew everybody did have a great time. I knew it. Like when you rock it, you know, they you, you leave knowing that they had a good time, but you're still like, damn, you know what I could have gave them? Like we were all, but, but it's a new universe. It's a new world. Like this COVID friendly show is much better than me rapping on the internet to them. So we would right. they, touching blood to this close. They're seeing me and, uh, you know, so it's, it steps closer back to where we were at and hopefully, uh, have, my tours were for, starting in April. I was going to get so many shows. They all got canceled and pushed to October. Then October, most of them got pushed back to April again. So we'll see. Hopefully, 
my whole tour is started again in April. But we'll see what the world has to say about that, you know? So. Cool. I hope you, uh, I'm in Connecticut, so uh, we don't get a lot of good hip hop. It's usually if they go to New York or Mass, but uh, hopefully we will see you around this area sooner than later. Connecticut, my guy John Scully's out there. He's uh, Oh, yeah? He's a boxing uh he fought for the title a few times he was a contender and then he he trained a couple champions to become champion fighters john ice scully look him up he he's one of the best guys i know he's he's a really great guy but he's a connecticut i went to his gym and we sparred a few rounds you know he kept it easy on me you know he (laughs) he's like oh that jab but come on you know i'm jabbing him but you know, he's a professional fighter and he sparred with all the greats. So, uh, and when he was a little kid, he was getting like, you know, pointers from Archie Moore, one of the greatest fighters that ever lived. And, you know, he was, he met Muhammad Ali, all them, you know, so wow. trained fighters to beat Bernard Hopkins. So, uh, you know, my little stupid little, plus it was on tour. So like we stopped at his gym and I'm doing my little jab for a couple of rounds, but you know, those guys, they used to do in 10, 12 rounds. I'm winded after like two and a half. <laughs> like, oh, shit, oh, shit, you know. And then he, yeah. he threw like, just play with me, pow. And I felt my nose kind of go, I was like, oh, shit. If he wanted to put a little more power on that, he probably could have snapped, snapped that shit. You know, professional fighters, people sleep on um, how, uh, how, you know, they're professionals. That's what the fuck they do. You know, you right. think a guy looks like a normal guy, but they're not normal. They're professional fighters. <laughs> yeah, you know? definitely. You, you could be a tough guy rapper, but these are professional fighters, you know? So go in there with three rounds. Go go in there three rounds with one of them guys, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> um, So obviously you talk about the MAGA hats and Trump supporters on the record, but I also know you're not a fan of Biden, which I understand. What are your thoughts on this election? Like, well, it's it's exactly what you just just heard. It's uh, uh it's a mess. It's disgusting. And Biden's a horrible yeah. person, I you know. And uh, I mean, he's a disgusting person, horrible person. And we're on this whole anti-police brutality movement. So they get like a DA Kamala Harris, and they get Joe Biden, one of the strictest, you know, crime bill motherfuckers, you know, like. Yeah. So, like, really? And they're, oh, yeah, we got to get them out. You know, like, wait, are we on this anti-police brutality mission right now? Is this really what we're on? Or is that fake? Because why are we gravitating now towards Biden and Kamala, you know? So right. it's, uh, and, you know, uh, Trump is, is pro-police brutality, you know? that You know, he's pro, not just pro-cop, pro-police brutality. There's, For sure, yeah. He, you know, he's had those statements where he said, oh, and when you put him in a police car, you know, bang their head on the car. And you know, like he yeah. said this, he, Trump's words, no, he didn't. No, go Google the quotes. Go, go There's video of him yeah. talking about, yeah, and when you get the criminal, put him and bang their head in the car and take him away. You know, he's very, uh, you know, and the death the good old days when they would uh, take him out on the stretcher, he said, at a rally for someone interrupting, like oh, very, yeah. Pro- yeah, it was like last year, but it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we got, you know, supposedly, uh, yeah, there's no change. There's no change. And we're all going to stay, stay, uh, Biden and, and Kamala, they're, they're pro war as could be. And, you know, Joe Jurgensen, she, she put up a cool meme the other day where it said, you know, if uh, the non voters were, were, were an election, 
2016. I'm probably wording it wrong. And it showed all the states that it would be, you know, they would have wiped the red and blue off the map if the non-voters voted, you know? So yeah. it's like everybody goes, oh, if you're a third party person, you're a vote for Trump or you're a vote. No, it's stupid idiots. Like, look at how many people you haven't tapped into that aren't voting. Why, why don't yeah. these people, you know, go and fight for their votes rather than yelling at, uh, you know, uh, Susan Sarandon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know we've only got a few minutes left. Um, I, you know, you mentioned the Dawn of the Dead poster. Um, I get, I write for Fangoria, which is awesome. I think we have a mutual friend in Tony uh, Timpone uh, over at Fangoria. Oh, uh, I love Tony. Is he? St- I thought he retired though. Uh, no. Well, Fangoria just went through a, a shift with ownership. Um, but yeah, no, he's going to be on the new. It's it premieres, I think, Saturday or Sunday night. The new uh, series uh, or season of Eli Roth history of horror show which he was on last season um oh, but yeah he's still doing stuff with fangoria i guess he, he left the editor position for the guy chris alexander years ago right was that yeah one? right so i don't know exactly what his title is or but i know he's still you know associated with it in some way yeah. um i'm yeah, just a tony, writer for them tony's a sweetheart he's a great guy you know the first time i met tony was uh they were screening demon night uh, remember that movie Ernest Dickinson directed? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I don't know where I was. Maybe it was a horror convention. And he's like, hey, you want to see this Demon Night? Well, it wasn't out yet. It was like, you know, a week before it came out. It's like, we're going to have a screening. So he gave me, and I was dating some purple hair girl. Me and the purple hair girl, we went to see Demon Night. And that's the first time I met Tony in person, I think. But we knew who we, each other was because he, he's friends with Frank Hanelotter and Hanelotter is one of my dear friends. And, you know, so shout out to Tony Timpone. Yeah, I love Tony. Yeah, I'm going to have to let him know uh, he came up in this conversation. But yeah. so horror, I, I see you wearing like horror shirts a lot of, in a lot of the pictures you post, which I love. Like horror is my genre. Like I love it. Um, you know, I'm, it's just, I'm actually working on a new book right now. It's a horror book, but also, like, how can we learn more about ourselves and use horror to, you know, become more integrated humans? And it's fun as hell because horror is more than just like splatter to me anyways. But what are some of your favorite horror films? Like I've seen you in a Phantasm shirt, I think. And uh, I forgot what else. Uh, but Well, I love Phantasm. I, I went yeah. to see when they did the, the new, uh, the, the remastering on the big screen. That was a great night. Yeah. Phantasm on the big screen, and it brought out all my childhood uh, happiness. I was excited like a little fat kid at ten years old all over again. <laughs> I love Phantasm, and and in fact, I'm I'm a fan of of the Phantasm films. And and uh, Don Coscarelli, I was I was in the studio, and Don Coscarelli was doing a book signing. I, I saw it on Instagram. One of the girls, I think, um, oh, who's home girl? The girl, uh, oh my god. The girl from Phantasm Two. Uh, oh shit! I yeah, feel like I'm, a piece of shit. She's awesome and she's beautiful and she's cool and she was a penthouse pet and yeah. But you know, you know who I'm talking about. She was like, "I love I do, your yes. bald head. Yeah, I love your bald head." And and she, you know, and then her hair came out at the end of the movie. But she uh, she had posted something. Oh, we're all Phantasm crew is doing a book signing at. Uh, so I was like, oh, shit. And I was in California. I'm like, fuck it. You know what? You were supposed to meet Don for years. Go go stop by the bookstore. 
So I stopped by and I met Reggie and Don and the whole crew and cast of, of Phantasm. Not Michael, but everybody. It was right. it was a really cool, quick minute. I think the place was closed and I got there late, so 10 minutes. Don knew who I was because, you know, we communicate. And, and he was like, this is Ari the Rugged Man. He's a famous rapper. I was like, I was like yo, yo Don. I'm a, you know, so that was nice meeting Phantasm, you know, Don. Yeah. Don. Don's the man. And uh, no, you know, I'm a big Frank and a lot of fan. I love Frank and Hook. I love Brain Damage. I love Basket Case. I love Basket yeah. Case 2 even. I, I like 3 even, you know, but I don't know. Uh, um, there's so many incredibly great horror films in history, so it's yeah. hard to like, which ones do you like? I don't know. You know which one? I'm not saying, well, the, the original Cat People, the Turner, you know, version, version yeah. of the original, mm-hmm. is one of the greatest films ever made, horror. But yeah. um, I, I was just talking about the remake. I have like this love and hate relationship with the damn remake, the Paul Schrader version. You know, it's like I, I watch it all the time. I watch it like every year or two or three, every three years for like since it came out. And I'm always like, is this the greatest or is it terrible or is it the worst or is it great? Or I hate this movie. I, I really like this movie. And I think about it and, 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 then, I, and then I put it like, I'm like, should I watch the cat people? Like, okay. No, it sucks compared to the original. And, and I'm like, put it on. And I'm like, is this movie great? I like it's one of these movies. Yeah, you have any movies like that where you like have a love hate relationship with it? Where you're like, is this great or is it? What am I looking for? Like, so so I think it's really actually good. But I think because the original is so perfect, you start going, this is too much. They're doing too much. They don't need to do all of this. So the cat people is the cat, you know. But then you go, right. not nah, different picture. It's a different film he's making. So appreciate this film because because not the cat people it's not the original film so so i just rewatched that recently and uh i got the same thing i said i think i really like it this time <laughs> i think i like it a lot this time you know that's so. like me with um the rob zombie halloween remakes um i catch a lot of shit for this but i love the original you know halloween uh, is, is my shit i'm um but when rob zombie did it i I like what he did with it. You know, John Carpenter said, make this your own. And I know John Carpenter didn't like one. it. Anything in the world. See, did you like that? But yes. Yeah, so that's what you're saying. Am I crazy? Is this awesome? Or is this terrible? Cause I know the second one's super hated on, but I uh, love it. And then I'm like, wait a minute, is it horrible? Like, so just exactly what you said is my, I hate it. One. I hate it so much. I remember Most the first, people do. first one. It wasn't for me. I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I said, eh, you know, whatever. And I liked the one scene when little Michael Myers had the, he had, he had the mask on. So it was right, like yeah. kid Michael. I thought there was some cute moments like that. But like the second one, I like, I really disliked it. Like I did, I remember sitting there like angry, like I disliked this movie <laughs> and I haven't seen it since. So I, I, I remember, oh yeah. Like, you know what it is? Rob Zombie has this tendency, which it's his style, you know, uh, uh, Devil's Rejects, House of yeah. Corpses, uh, House of Corpses. He makes everybody kind of unlikable. And all his characters are, like, unlikable. And, yeah, but you you got to have somebody you kind of like in a movie, you, somebody you relate to, somebody you want to fuck with, somebody that, that you care about. And Rob never does right. that. But that's his style. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. not, oh, Rob sucks because, no, no. 
So I deal with it in some of his films, but then like part two, then he turns Loomis into like this terrible guy that's like right. ego maniac asshole right. jerk, and that like, and I was like, nah, now everybody has to be like, it's just like I, I don't remember much about it, but th- that's one of the things I, I said, yeah, Rob, slow down. That everybody is dislikable on the planet thing in every movie, especially Halloween two, like. You're making the Loomis character way less interesting. And what I hated about the first one was the thing that's so great about Halloween, the original, is is evil. Evil exists. You don't know the backstory, yeah. No, no, you you don't even need, because the the backstory is that he's evil. That's scarier. But when he took all the... horror cliches of a serial killer and put it in Michael. Oh, he's, he's, you know, torturing an animal. Oh, he's seen right. his mother have sex in front of uh, a guy. Like that's every horror movie and every, you know, the, yeah. Oh, the mother was doing sexy stuff in front of the kid. I was like, so he was taking all the cliches of serial killers and, and turned it into Halloween. I'm like, no, you just took everything that actually works from evil. <laughs> Like the kid is born, he's evil. You know, you took everything away from that and turned it into a psychological cliche of every cliche. Yeah. Of so, so I wasn't a fan of the Rob Zombie um, Halloween's, but I respect that he's um, making the films. You know, he was a musician. He had this huge, uh, enormous career as uh, right. as you know Rob Zombie and and a great music career. And then he loved films. So he he made his career and he gets everything financed and he makes movies, movies, movie after movie. So you can't knock his hustle. Like he's really like, I respect Rob Zombie a lot, even if some of his films aren't for me. Like, so it's not like, uh, yeah. So I respect that he's a man that was able to do music, do movies, do all of that stuff. So uh, yeah, actually, I'm actually a fan of the man more than I'm a fan of the film. You know? So yeah, yeah. No, I respect that. I know I'm in the minority on that one, so um, I I own it. So last thing, I I know we're just about out of time, but uh, September 26th, you posted on um, social media that All My Heroes is Dead will most likely be your final album. Is that, do you think, because you're feeling fatigued after it, or are you just feeling like you're you're done? Well, I'm not done as an MC. I'm still going to be murdering everybody, you know? But, um... Making an album takes, for me, it's a lot of draining and straining. And, and like, I know that sounds like pretentious, but it's not because right. I'm not yeah. normal with my thoughts. Like, nothing's ever good enough and this and that. So it's like, when I work on an album, I have to bring in, I really go really deep into it, you know, and not the writing. The writing's the easy part. But, um, uh, Maybe COVID's kicking me in the ass because I, I don't have like, like, like what happens when I, when I do an album, I go and, and that year I'll tour and do 150 shows. So I have money every night. Boom, 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 boom. So I could take that money and reinvest it in myself. So I'll sit in the studio for hours and days and days and days and work on stuff. And, you know, uh, uh, and right now I, 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 I'm like, do I want to go and spend two, three years locking myself in the room writing and locking myself in the studio recording and mixing and making something that, you know, like, do I want to do that? Or do I take three, four years of my life and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, find another venture. And, and another thing 
it's like I see a lot of the new school kids, the way they do it. This is what's also coming to mind is they do songs, they shoot videos and they drop them. And the things get way more, you know, if you drop one at a time, they get way more recognition per song where you drop 20 songs at the same time and everyone hears them at that time. And then, you know, it kind of slows down. But if I'm thinking maybe what I would do is make songs, make songs and do videos and drop songs and drive. Not, no need to torture myself of making this perfect, perfect, uh, structured, uh, you know, theatrical experience from every, you know, like, like sure. you know, the award might not be fully what it needs to. I don't know. You know, COVID got everybody fucked up right now because yeah. we're in a different situation. It's in a different universe. And now the internet and the, the, the attention span thing, you say, hey, if I make, like, because I thought about it, I said, if I took All My Heroes is Dead and dropped one song every month after I, I you know, made it with a video or something, would it would it have been even bigger? But it mm. just wouldn't have been an album. Or, you know, and that's that's also what happens is you drop things and then you work on things and then and then songs get leaked or songs get heard in studios yeah. and then other people go, Oh, that's interesting and then they bite a flow or they work on things. So so if you make the song, drop it, make the song, drop it, it's documented that you 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 did it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I rather than this the song can't come out until the whole you know, picture is worked out properly and makes sense. And so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I'll make a movie this year. I got a couple uh, scripts, you know, and maybe I'll just go to Belgium or Norway or one of these European countries and get a great DP and a couple of really incredible actors and shoot something small and beautiful. You know, not beautiful. I'm not saying beautiful. Uh, the story so beautiful. I'm saying like, you know, <laughs> I have a great DP that could really photograph it and make it look beautiful. And right. and some incredible actors that make your words sound like they're good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so so I'm thinking maybe before I leap forward into locking myself in a studio for a year or two, uh, maybe I'll do a feature film to lock myself in the house for a year and do a movie, you know? Or a couple movies, you know. So, what? You know. Uh, just quickly, uh, what genre would you would you be doing? Like, what horror to you? Horror. horror. Awesome. Yeah, horror. I have one biopic that uh, that I'd love to make, and uh, from a legend, but an underground legend uh, about an underground legend, and I always talk to her about doing it, and uh, but the problem is that. I can't make that small with a DP and a couple actors. It's like a big right. picture. So like that, I want to just figure out, make a, I have to shop that one, you know, and, and I don't know if I even want to direct that one. It's just a big, big picture. It's uh, but I don't want to say nothing about who or what, but uh, sure. Yeah. I got a really interesting biopic under my belt that I'm working on, but I, I you know, I'd want a budget for that. Like that's something where you got to go shop and get 10, 15 million and, and attach, you know, a couple name actors to it, make it real, you know? So yeah. the other ones that I'm talking about, you know, I'm thinking I can make for a couple hundred thousand, you know? So. Well, my fingers are crossed that you get to do it. I'm sure it would be sick as hell. So um, hopefully we'll see that. 
I'm really glad to hear you're not hanging up the mic. I got nervous when I read that post. So yeah, everything yeah, you said. I, makes said sense. I just said my final album. I'm, I'm like, right. I just recorded for uh, Vinnie Paz's album. I just oh. I'm working with DV Alias Christ. I got a hand in. Uh, I got so much stuff that I'm finishing. And it's not out yet. So, uh, yeah, it's not hanging up the mic. It's just that I just don't know if I want to commit to a full, you know, full, you know, and I don't know if I want to do an album that's 10 songs and like 10 dope songs with an intro and outro. Fans would love that too, but I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to do that. I want, you know, I think that this was such a, I don't know. All My Heroes is dead. It's just that every, you know, it's just the album I wanted to make. So do you make something less than that? You know, do you, do you let's just put out some dope songs and make some money off of it because the fans will buy it. No, I don't know if I want to do that. You know? Yeah. I, know. I feel you when I finished listening to the record, I'm like, wow, where does he go from here now? Like, is it's, it's a masterpiece, man. I'm not blowing smoke. Thank it's you, like Thank I said, you, it's my 2020 record. No doubt. I even bought the vinyl and I don't have a record player. I bought, you know, the download when it came out and I was like, yo, I that gotta support designs. this. You know him too, right? You know who that is, who? right? That who? dude designs. The guy that did no. the cover. Oh, the cover art, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's a beast, man. He did he did Hobo with a shotgun, you know, that artwork. I love that movie. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, record he, he, hour, he, I think. You know the Blu-ray artwork for They Live? Really good yeah, Blu-ray. Yeah. He did that. I mean he did Tons oh, of wow. he did the poster work for uh uh the HG uh the HB Lovecraft uh, um Jesus Christ hardware Richard Stanley movie uh, color of uh oh color yeah, of space one. yeah yeah he did the artwork for that that all those vibrant colors and stuff that's amazing know? yeah yeah he's a great artist and he blessed me with my best album cover I was like wow you know, so. Yeah, I copped the shirt with the cover on. I had to. It's so dope. So, uh, yeah, very cool, man. Thanks, well, brother. Ra, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being real as always. And uh, as tired as you are, I really appreciate you, you know, showing up and doing this. No, right, cool. This is easy. Cool. You know how many times like I'll be this tired and I have to do a concert? Uh, <laughs> I'll be like, I don't envy you for that. All I got to do is sit on the couch and talk. I, I, we can, we could do that. Plus, you know what? We weren't doing this, no. Uh, debating you know right. like if you're fried and you have to debate somebody then you're like eh, eh, you know like you're not looking to forgot your moments of me saying something stupid so I'm, you know it's easy <laughs> oh, no i'm a fan i i know your lyrics i know where you're coming from and uh i love it respect all of it appreciate all of it and uh and just appreciate you for putting that out into the world and really what touching are you a lot of lives. before you go Favorite horror movie? I, I yeah, well, not original Halloween. Oh, what were you saying, sir? No, not movie. Just just movies. Like, what are some of the ones? Because just naming one is tough most of the time, right? Or... It, oh, absolutely. No, yeah, no doubt. Um, for me, I like I love Fulci. I love Argento. I love a lot of the Italian and French horror because it's just extra gnarly. Um, but you know, there's great American films too. Uh, bravo, you know, bravo. Love, Italy. You like Mario Baba's films? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. pretty much any of that stuff. Yeah. 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 Which, which French ones are you talking about? Like, uh, um, 
how, why am I drawing a blank right now? The one that my fiance refuses to watch. Uh, Inside or whatever that one. No. Um, a more recent one that I loved was um, High Tension. I thought that was a really good film. Um, yeah, yeah. Back, yeah. But before, oh my God, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. Starts with an M. And uh, oh, oh yeah, martyrs, martyrs, martyr. Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, Mar- like I love stuff like that. It's just yeah, like I said, yeah. real gnarly. Um, but yeah, she won't watch that with me. She loves horror, but not that. So my friend Frank is uh is on you know he directs under uh, Aja's wing. You know he's uh he did oh. the the Maniac uh, remake for yep. Aja. Frank Calhoun. He's a close close friend of mine, but he's actually in High Tension. He uh. He he, you know the guy that gets killed at the um. There's a scene a guy that gets killed at uh like a convenience store or something like that. Yeah, yeah. They get an axe in the stomach or something like that. But that's Frank. He's the director oh, of cool. of uh. He directed P two and he directed uh, you know the other one I said yeah yeah um, yeah yeah Maniac remake. But he's a good guy. He he started. He was re- directing rap videos back in the day and now yeah. That's the thing I find in horror is I've interviewed like most of the legends from Kane Hodder to Doug Bradley, Bill Mosley, um, you know, George Romero before he passed, Ken Foray uh, last year from Dawn of the Dead and all yeah, these cool. people. From beyond. There's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they're all like such good people, you know, like some of the sweetest people. Like I, I interview all different kinds of people and, you know, often uh, sometimes I get like a real douchebag. but. I find in the horror genre, I've never been let down. Like even Danny Trejo when Machete came out, um, I sat down with him for like an hour and a half. We had 15 minutes scheduled and literally we just, we connected and we got into stuff and what a yeah. good dude, you know, like. Our community is awesome, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, Ari, thank you for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. And again, thanks for everything you do in the world and, uh, you know, looking forward to hopefully seeing you back on the road here in the States sooner than later. So till then, you know, take it, care of yourself, your family and uh, be well. Thank you. And thank you for the, all the kind words you said about my new record. It means a lot. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. For sure. Thank you. Thank you.